the reality is, particularly when you're just starting out, I think it's important to just focus on on getting things done and collaborating with like-minded people, like-minded creatives so that you can grow together. Hello, and thank you for listening. This is the Benchmark Podcast, where each week we create breakthroughs in the creative lives and businesses of our guests, who are artists, creatives, and small business owners. This week, my guest is Will Rubio, an actor, TV host, writer, director, and producer based in Los Angeles, California, and a dear friend who I've known for a long, long time and am very excited to have on the show. In today's episode, we talk about the motivations that drive our creative work, how to focus on what really matters, and I attempt to get Will a breakthrough on what he can focus on in his business to get the thing he really wants, which is probably not what you're expecting. This is typically where you'd hear a sponsor message, but since this is a podcast to help promote the Benchmark app, I'll just tell you to go check out the free training that we have for you at benchmark.app. That's B-N-C-H-M-R-K dot app. And learn more about this tool we've built to help people get control over the results of their businesses. All right, welcome. It's episode three of the Benchmark Podcast, and my guest today is one of my favorite people on the planet, Will Rubio, comedian extraordinaire, actor, writer, director, producer. I mean, how many uh, hyphenates do you have here, my friend? I got a lot of of hyphenates, man. I'm a multi-talented dude. I'm I'm just buzzing. I'm I'm working and ebbing and flowing, as they say. Who's they? I don't know, but they say it. Everybody. All the people, all the time. Um, Yeah. If you're watching this podcast episode as opposed to listening to this podcast episode, you will likely recognize Will because he is one of the more famous friends that I have. He's been oh, on, he's been on TV don't... shows and commercials I... and all the true. So, Will, tell us about what you do and how you got into the things that you do. Well, I am uh, an entertainer. I would suppose you would describe me. Um, I, I'm hosting a show called Random Acts. We're going into our sixth season. I'm going to pull one of these so I can actually hear myself uh, talk. It's That's weird. how the pros do it. Well, I hear you, but I can't hear myself. And <laughs> I'm vain, so I want to hear myself for Thank sure. Uh, no, I host a, a show called Random Acts where I am uh, the, my, yeah, the host. And we're going into our sixth season. It's a kind-hearted prank show. So what we do is we, we get nominations and we set people up. Um, and surprise them with oftentimes life-changing experiences or um, goods, services. Uh, we'll do uh, basement remodels or, or just like home remodels, uh, backyard remodels. Uh, give people handy, handicap accessible vans, stuff like that. Uh, and the show has provided amazing opportunities for not only the people on the show, but for myself as well. I feel incredibly blessed to be a part of it. On top of that, I am an actor, like you said, an actor, writer, producer. Um, I've uh, I've been on This Is Us, where I played Miguel's son. Uh, Thanksgiving dinner, perhaps uh, people have seen that little show. Um, yeah, I've been on Community, uh, uh, a few a few other shows, and I produce um, my own content. I've, I've produced a lot of like uh, web based marketing, viral content for for the web, kind of at the at the the beginning of that sort of era. Um, now I've transitioned more into uh, into the front of the camera stuff, um, but writing, yeah, I, I write uh, features and 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 TV and 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 whatnot. Uh, but 
probably due to quarantine, I have done a lot of uh, producing smaller scale uh, comedic content on Instagram and YouTube and the TikToks and the Facebooks and stuff like that. So awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think we all had to pivot a little bit. There's a, a lot of <laughs> pivoting going on. buzzword for the day, but a lot of us had to kind of reassess how our business would happen once COVID hit and everybody uh, had their businesses change, especially artists and creatives who rely on gigs and who rely on productions and things like that. Like, well, it's very cool that you came on the podcast today. I, I would agree. love to know a little bit more about you and your business though, before we get into the, the, the meat and potatoes, so to speak, let's do a little bit of appetizer. So sure. what, what creative project are you working on right now? Something that you're interested in uh, kind of talking about and, um, how did it come about? Where did it come from? What are you working on? Um, it's, it's interesting. And, and I think you hit me up or we spoke several months ago about this and, and this is an interesting vein, I think that you're tackling with, with creatives and kind of helping creatives find a, um, a more executable path to bring their creative, uh, endeavors to life because, um, a lot of people even like some would look at me and be like, oh, Will's successful. He's on that show. He's doing this. And and by a lot of metrics, I am. I'm not saying I'm not uh, blessed, but there are there are limitations, I think, sometimes within the creative mind that don't facilitate um, pumping out uh, the things that you want to produce and the things that you want to create. So with that being said, I have a hodgepodge of projects <laughs> that that, um, you know, are uh, sitting on the back burner in a sense, um, or at, at various stages of production or execution, I would say. Um, the biggest one of which I have, I have written several screenplays um, that, you know, I am uh, actively trying to, to get produced and to, and to get made currently. Uh, I am producing a live show um, which I hasn't launched yet, but it's, it's, it all takes place here in my studio, <laughs> but it's going to be, uh, um, a live show where I, I bring in, uh, all of my improv friends from across the country. And we do, um, kind of a variety show type, um, type thing. Uh, for right now, the working title is the advice panel. Mm. And, um, let me see here. I should have been way better prepared for your, for this uh, podcast, but, but therein lies the problem a lot. Like sometimes you, there, there are so many different things that you want to work on that, uh, mm -hmm. that it, uh, it becomes difficult to, to focus on one specifically. I think when I texted you earlier this week, I said, you said, how are things going? I said, well, I got a lot of irons in the freezer. <laughs> That's <a laughs> my line for it because yeah, I've always got stuff cooking, but cooking is, uh, it needs to be put in the proper context, right? It's it's pre-cook. They're freezing at the moment. <laughs> They're waiting on ice. Well, that's, that's how I feel as well. It's like, you know, and there's a certain, and I think people who are a little more humble and honest in this way, where like they, they um, basically will say, like they'll downplay a lot of the things that they're working on. I think that is a negative aspect of, of creatives as well. Where we'll be like, well, I'm doing this, but it's not, not as cool. And then sometimes I envy those people where ignorance is definitely bliss, where they just like, 
charge full steam ahead in their ignorance or, 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 or of their lack of ability, but they're, they're getting it done. Because or their hubris or whatever it may be. Yeah. Or their hubris. Yeah. Like there's a certain benefit to it. Yeah. I think mine stems from more than a decade of reality striking and going, yeah, you talked about that big project that you have going on too soon and it's not, <laughs> not going to happen. So I just started hating the feeling of, yeah, I told a bunch of people that I'm doing this big project and then it never came to fruition. So the next time I talked to somebody, it was like, oh yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> yes, I hated that. I never, wanted to, I never wanted to be that guy. And I had uh, several friends who would like uh, do projects, even get them in the can, but like never, and then wouldn't finish them. So I, I became yeah. kind of scared of, Mm -hmm. of um and i never wanted to be the guy that asked people to do things for free right um the same way <laughs> yeah i wanted like when i do a project i'm gonna like have a budget i'm gonna pay people this and that and the reality is particularly when you're just starting out i think it's important to just focus on on getting th things done and collaborating with like-minded people like-minded creatives so that you can grow together i was just watching shonda rhymes master class today and she was I talking about She's awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she says, "Don't, don't focus. If you get a like a grunt job, Oregon, in my uh, production studio, don't like try to score a meeting with me, or like don't try to like butter up to me. Like make friends with the people around you because as they grow in the community, those are the people they're going to take you along and to and to give you positions at wherever they get jobs in the future. It's like we're trying to leapfrog oh let me get somebody that will get me there now versus leaning into the process of of growing and the inevitable discomfort that comes with creation yeah i found myself having to reassess over the last year or two where i was looking back at the 10-year career in film that i've had where i've tried to make a number of big feature projects and have not made any of them <laughs> and had to sit here and go, well, what am I actually optimizing for? Do I want to make the perfect movie, which could take another 10 or 20 or 50 years? Or do I want to make a movie and then make another one that's slightly better and then another one that's slightly better? And so the last year or two have been, you know, making things as opposed to talking about making things. So I was able to shoot a TV pilot and I was able to get on other big documentary projects and I've got features that instead of going the route of I'm going to write this screenplay and then I'm going to go raise a bunch of money and attach a bunch of people. It's like, well, what, how do I get there faster with less input on my part? And I'm sharing this because I think it's a valuable thing for those who are going to watch and listen to this is instead of writing a screenplay, I started writing treatments and sending those out. Sure. And those yeah. are so much easier for people to read, especially people in Utah who are not film investors, who are not film savvy with reading a screenplay and being able to visualize what the end result looks like and mm -hmm. the number of meetings and stuff like that that i've been able to take because of that approach of optimizing my actions for getting a film made as opposed to getting the perfect film made under the very specific conditions i'd laid out i think it's a way to kind of actually get that leapfrog effect without just talking about it it's it, it's going into action as opposed to just hoping and talking about it. <laughs> sure. I think we all fall victim to, have you read The Four Agreements by Miguel Angel Ruiz? I have not, but I'm going to put that in the show notes and put a link to yeah, it. Yeah, check the out The Four, Four Agreements. Agreements. It, it's a good one. Basically, the, the main premise of the film, to save you the read, uh, it, not the film, the, the book, is that um, 
from the beginning, from the time we're born, we make these like agreements about mm-hmm. um, ourselves, about our interactions, about how people are supposed to behave, like just thousands and millions of agreements all the time. When you go to the grocery store and you're checking out, you know, like this is how you're supposed to act when you check out. This is how you're supposed to, this is how the checker is supposed to act towards me. So whenever we, whenever there's a departure from that, there's, uh, it's, at least that's what I found. Whenever there's a departure from that, that's when we grow and that's when we, um, are closer to our authentic selves, I guess. And I think as creatives to, to, to piggyback on what you were talking about, we make agreements about how things are supposed to be about how, what, what the path and the process is supposed to be. And not just in creative fields and everything, like I'm supposed to do this and I'm supposed to do that. And there's like a timeless and checklist to everything that happens. And I think culturally I grew up like that. There's like your, your life is kind of planned out and this is the way things are, are supposed to be. Um, but we we have those influences from from all of the things that impact us in our lives, our families, our you know whether we wherever we go to to school, to church, to whatever. And so it, it's interesting because as I've grown as a creative, as it has been more just be finding peace of mind or comfort with myself of like my actual thoughts and desires. Um, and, and, and putting aside all the other requirements that people have for me, or this is the way you're supposed to do things, putting that aside and genuinely thinking about what I want to do, because to your example, you're like, oh, I'm going to write this movie and then I'm going to, to be the producer or wherever you saw yourself in it. And then this is going to happen. This is how it's supposed to happen. Well, when you break that down and you're like, well, what am I trying? What's the, what's the joy that I'm trying to receive? Or what am I actually trying to do? And you're like, oh, I just want to be a part of this thing, which will lead me to that. You're able to see things a little bit more clearly or the path more clearly. And I say this as uh, somebody who sees that, but it's, it's a lot uh, easier said than done. Well, I love that principle and that idea. What, what is it for you? Like, what is it that you're I, I usually say, what are you optimizing for? Or what's the outcome that you're after? But in the terminology that you were just using, like, what is that for you? What is what for me? What, what is the, the opt- what, what do I desire? Um, yeah. What's the thing that's driving and motivating all the work that you're doing? You know, that's, that's a tough one. And, and I hate to be so um, kind of wishy-washy but this is honestly something that I've struggled with particularly as a creative my whole life you know can't tell you how many um organizational systems and to-do lists and and different things that I've kind of set in place for myself um you know well you need to create a mission statement and you need to know your objective and, and all these things and um it's hard. It's, it's a hard thing to when, when you're somebody that grew up just wanting to entertain and, and wanting to, which is all rooted in like a desire to be liked and loved. Right. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not necessarily, uh, from the healthiest place. If, if, if I'm completely honest, like a lot of people in are in constant search of that validation, but acknowledging that or understanding that, um, and, and recognizing how that makes you act is a step in the process of of stopping that of genuinely asking yourself what is it that you want 
Um, so for me, what my what my desire is, oh, that's a great question, Darren. I, I you know, because I want to, <laughs> I don't know if the podcast is the place to kind of like brainstorm this and figure it out, but this I, podcast is. <laughs> oh, okay, perfect. Yeah. Because <laughs> I want I want to entertained and part of that is to be loved but that's not necessarily an inherently bad thing because what i have found is when i genuinely entertain to um uplift and make people's lives better that brings like i speaking of the grocery store checkout like i always talk to the person behind the checkered and like try to make the smile try to have an interaction i value human connection i value making people feel good making people um acknowledge their self-worth because i think i went through a long time despite outward appearances where i didn't value my own worth you know it's, it's a constant struggle even still i didn't fully feel worthy for you know whatever reasons and so the effort is to just view people and embrace them for just by merits of our common humanity and, and make and uplift them and add, add positivity to the world. Right. And so, so yeah, that is the desire, but it's incredibly nebulous and, um, and yeah, to parse it down and to create, something creative out of that i think is tricky when you add in all the other you know neuroses and and, and <laughs> idiosyncrasies that sure. come with uh choosing a li the life of a creative i'm curious why you say nebulous what what about that interaction or that desired outcome is nebulous is it just the fact that it's hard to measure whether or not you're getting that sort of result well i think um it's easy to lose sight of the it's easy to lose sight of particularly in our current creative climate where everybody like we are all entertaining each other there is like we post content for that essentially that validation and that being liked and when you see people who are successful at it um, or who have large audiences, um, it's easy to feel discouraged and it's easy to lose sight of the fact that you want to help people or, or like you just want to, it doesn't matter if you're just lifting up one person, like you're just trying to brighten somebody's day and be like, I need to brighten a thousand people's day, 10,000 people. I need, I need this external metric of success to denote how well I'm doing as a creative. And that's been a hard fought lesson mm -hmm. because, because it's, as with most psychological breakthroughs, the acknowledgement or the understanding of it seldom comes with a like swift and easy behavioral change. It is at best, it's just being cognizant of or aware or conscious of it so that when you go into that cyclical mindset again, you can try to pump the brakes and be like, well, no, this is leading me down that that path that I don't want to be. And uh, 
Yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> I think so. I And I appreciate you delving into all this because I think- Yeah, like I'm being very times, raw, very vulnerable right now. And I appreciate it. And I think the audience is going to as well. So I'm excited for people to be able to see and, and hear this. Um, I feel like if I left it there, though, it would be a little bit of a cliffhanger. So is this something that you feel like is holding you back in your creative work, your creative life? Or is it something that you've been able to- kind of overcome and deal with? And, and if that's the case, how did you get there? Um, honestly, not, not yet. Like I, in the sense of there is like success, how do you measure success? And like I said, there are people that will look at me and be like, oh, well, is at success at the top of his game and the interesting about success is like once you achieve whatever level of it you start to look upwards to the next level and you're like i don't have that i don't have that above me so i understand the reality that essentially i need to be happy with wherever i'm at and in large part a lot of the work that i've done mentally and spiritually is to acquire that peace of mind and that happiness um and I do feel in large measure that I've acquired that through honestly, through reading a lot of reading and um, in, in very intentful, uh, intentful, deliberate work, leaning into the discomfort of, like I said, our, our neuroses and idiosyncrasies that, that make us who we are and really questioning why do I do that? Why have I not been able to develop this relationship or do this thing or constantly spinning my wheels what is it and doing that work to discover that has been one thing so as i've gotten better at that that still doesn't quench the desire to tap into the creative reserves that you have the potential that you know that you could um uh, the things that you know you can essentially give the world uh and by world i don't mean it has to go out globally but just even if it was created and placed there and whoever sees it sees it but you created it and you made it and it came out of you and you're proud of it that is giving it to the world i think uh, and that is in I, I don't know if i've i've gotten there yet you know yeah. You asked me what creative project I'm working on and like, I can't give you a straightforward answer. Like I'm writing several scripts and the scripts that I have created in large part have um, been with writing partners. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it particularly because oftentimes it's difficult. Like I can edit the heck out of something, but like putting it on the page is more difficult for me. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, I value that more. So I'm like, I got to figure out a way to hammer out, to hammer this out and like get it to the point where I can edit my own work and make my own work better. But yeah. Yeah. Then you end up wanting it to be perfect, like right out the, right out of the gate. And uh, it's more difficult. It's more. Yeah. Difficult. I think you just kind of nailed something right there is the way that you measure something is going to determine to determine whether or not you are succeeded at that thing, right? The example that often comes up is like, if you measure a monkey by how long it can hold <laughs> breath underwater, 
then it's going to fail. You're going to think it's a terrible monkey. The same way if you try to measure a fish by how well it can climb a tree, you're going to think it's a terrible fish. Even though you flip those, you just change the measurement and all of a sudden they are perfectly suited and and successful at being the thing that they're trying to be, right? So just by shifting the, you can call it the expectation, you can call it the measurement, the way that we see the outcome, the way we frame it, really determines a lot about how successful and good we feel about the work we're doing. So for example, there's this um, this thing called six human needs psychology. I'm going to do this part as briefly as possible because I don't want to delve way into this part. But Is this the Tony Robbins thing? Yeah, six human okay. needs psychology. And his whole thing is he coined this or created this along with Chloe Madonna's, who's a, a really well-known and renowned um, family therapist and relationship therapist. And together, they came up with this concept or this psychology, this tool that basically states that we all share the same six human needs. And depending on which ones we're trying to get the most of will determine how happy or fulfilled we are in our life. Because for example, the six human needs, you have certainty, a need to feel like you're in control of the situation or that the things that you want to happen are going to happen. Uh, a sense, uh, the second need is variety, a sense of exploration or adventure or excitement. We have a need for significance, feeling like we matter, feeling like that we're appreciated, feeling like the stuff we do is being seen and appreciated by other people. You have love and connection, and which is fairly obvious. And then you've got these other two, which are almost um, extra needs. Not everybody needs these, but especially creatives have these needs in high uh, amounts, which is growth and contribution. We need to feel like we're progressing, like we're getting better, like our career is on an upward trajectory, and we need to feel that sense of contribution, like you're talking about creating something and putting it out into the world, right? So if your real need deep inside you, Will, is a need for love and connection and a need for contribution, like that's what's really truly motivating and driving everything that you do in your creative life. But you measure it when it comes to a sense of significance, how significant you feel by doing those things, you might have a really high sense of connection and contribution, which in any other way, any other time would feel great. Like if you've, if your main thing in life is to feel like you're contributing to the world with your art and your craft, and whenever you contribute, you feel like a 10 out of 10, then that's a pretty good life, right? You could just create all the time and contribute things every day and feel really good about yourself. But as soon as you tweak things and the way you're measuring it and you say, well, I'm not really give, getting the amount of significance that I was hoping for. I don't have the same number of followers as this other person. I'm not as, I'm not getting the same roles. I'm not getting chosen by the people that I want to pick me to act in stuff, to produce stuff, to write things. No one's giving me the things that I want. And all of those are centered around significance. But if that's not really who you are, 
but it's the way that you're choosing to measure things because that's the way maybe society tells us we need to measure things based on follower counts and fame and things like that. Do you see how you could be very frustrated even though you're doing everything right? Sure. Yeah. No, that's a valid point. I uh, I tend to internalize blame a lot, though. So I'm like, what if significance is what I'm after? And the other thing is just my the shell that I put on top of it because of the shame I feel for wanting significance in the first place. I'm not saying that's what it is, but <laughs> there's there may be some truth there. the The cool thing about that is that we have the ability to choose what we're motivated by and what we're driven by. That's and true. for those that, like myself, when I went through a process of kind of discovering what I was motivated by and why I wasn't feeling fulfilled in my career and stuff like that, what I found was that I was being heavily motivated by certainty and significance. And then immediately after I discovered that, I was told <laughs> that anyone who is driven by significance or certainty is going to have a really tough life because those are the two of the six needs that are very externally driven, externally motivated, externally measured. We get a sense of significance because people are making us feel significant. We get a sense of certainty because people are giving us the things that we expect to get from whatever we're putting out there. And because I wasn't getting those things from the people I expected to get them from, I felt really crappy. I felt like if you were to measure my sense of certainty and significance on a daily basis, I would measure both at like a two or three out of 10. But the process I went through was, well, what if you just got rid of those needs? What if you just decided that my life is not going to be about certainty and it's not going to be about significance? It's going to be about growth and contribution. Well, just making that shift made it so that I was feeling a sense of contribution whenever I wanted because it wasn't reliant on anyone else. I could just was, create, put it out there, and feel really good about myself because I did the thing and I got what I wanted out of it. Was it that definitive of a switch in the sense that you're like, you know what, I've analyzed this and I'm going to turn this part off of myself and I'm going to turn this part on. Uh, was that a pill or what was <laughs> it was the green pill? Um, so yes and no, it happened over the course of a week. I went to actually Tony Robbins's date with destiny seminar last year. <laughs> okay. The one that's in the move, the video that I'm not your guru. Like it's that one. It's the big one where people are getting up and sharing their sob stories and, and, breaking he's breaking it down and getting these bit massive breakthroughs but i went through a process of discovering what i was motivated by and over the course of like two days and then reinforced for another three or four days i made a massive shift from being motivated by significance and certainty to being motivated by growth and contribution and my entire life changed around. But the point of this whole story is not to say go to a Tony Robbins seminar. The point of all of this is to say, when we focus on the things we actually have control over, we can get the results we're after so much faster than when we don't do that. Because we don't have control over who gives us money for our screenplay. 
We don't have control over how many followers we have. We can do a lot to try and make those things happen, but we don't have control over it, right? Because those things are come from outside of us. They're externally measured. Follower numbers, dollars given to you, all those kind of things. We can work really hard, but it may or may not happen. So as soon as you make the shift to, well, I'm going to make my life about connecting with people and contributing in a way that only I can because there's only one Will Rubio on the planet. So no one else is going to write what you can write. No one else is going to tell the jokes or be on screen the same way that you can. No one's going to show up and be you. So as soon as you just decide, I'm just going to make my life about something other than these measurements I have no control over. I'm not saying it needs to be love and connection or contribution or whatever. We can talk about this offline in a, a different session, but because it's longer than like a 10 minute thing. But as soon as you make that shift, you're then in control of your happiness and your fulfillment because you can control the measurement and you can control how much you're living up to that measurement, right? It's 100% on how you frame it and whether you show up or not. Sure. <laughs> no, I mean, it sounds great. And uh, it, it does make sense. Um, yeah, you know, there's a lot of issues that, that contribute to um, to us being the way that we are. And I've, I've fortunately kind of shifted from feeling like my brain and life is something to figure out because the figuring out of it is life itself. It's like, that's what essentially the journey is. And I think making that shift is, is part of that, um, for you and for me and, whatever shifts people are making in their lives at the time. But that that's very interesting to me. That is very interesting to me because not to piggyback on your thing, but certainty and significance, I think do weigh heavily on, on me um, for various reasons. And then you shifted to what connection and, and for, contribution? Me, for me, it was growth and contribution. This feeling of growth. So growth is like progress that you're getting better, that you're able to have some sense of control of the trajectory that you're on, not in the certainty sense, but in the, I know that if I keep doing this practice, if I keep showing up, if I keep putting in the work that I'm going to get better. And it doesn't matter if the dollars don't come or the accolades don't come, or the phone calls don't come, what matters is that I know I'm getting better. And by getting better, I'm able to contribute more. So if you look at two, three years ago, everything was motivated around significance and certainty. And I was pissed off and frustrated because I had real what I thought were really good feature films that were ready to be produced. I had everything re ready. I had a director, I had a little bit of money, I had a screenplay ready to go, and nobody was giving me what I wanted, which was enough money to make the movie in the way I wanted. There's a lot of issues in that statement right there. And so you take the shift that I went through last year, going to this seminar and understanding this whole six human needs psychology, 
making some very specific changes about the way that I live my life and the way I show up and the way I measure my life. And you look at the things that I've built this year, it hasn't been more screenplays and more productions and stuff like that. Granted, COVID had something to do with that because I had screenplays and things lined up ready to go and those kind of went away. But I'm building things like this app, this uh, benchmark app, which is 100% built to help creatives like you and me get control over the results in our business so that we can just do it in a way that takes like five minutes a day or 20 minutes a week. And then we can get back to doing the stuff we love, which is comedy or writing or acting or producing or whatever it may be. And then the other business that I built was Craftsman Creative, which is online courses for creatives. And I get a huge sense of fulfillment out of that because I go and produce a course for somebody and they can sell it to hundreds of people without me needing to be there to sell every single one of them. So by spending two or three days producing some content and putting it up online, there's now hundreds of people who are benefiting from that content who are then able to grow themselves and contribute more of their art and their craft into the world. And so it has this exponential aspect that I never would have had before because I was so focused on me and what I was getting or not getting, as opposed to how do I help and contribute to as many people as possible and let the money and significance and certainty and stuff become a result of that as opposed to the driving factor. That's great. That's, uh... <laughs> I see, you, I see you processing it. So it's fun to see it all go through your mind. With, with that in mind, I'd love to see if we can get you a breakthrough. I know we've been chatting around the subject a little bit. Um, but when it comes to your business, Will, when it comes to your creative work, um, I'd love to know if there's an area that you feel has been a bit of a constraint or a frustration something that we can maybe dive into a little bit together and see if we can get you a little bit of a breakthrough or an aha moment. Um, the biggest difficulty I have honestly is, and it's similar to what we talked about in the past, which is it's focus. Um, time isn't an issue for me. You talk about creating an app uh, so that you can free up time to write and other things in large part time isn't my issue because I do have a lot of time, but it's, it is, um, you know, and who knows if it's physiological in regards to ADD or whatever it is, but like sitting down and focusing on something um, is, is, is difficult because as soon as, and recently after watching the social dilemma twice, I deleted like all the apps off my phone and stuff like that. And I haven't been, <laughs> oh yeah, in large part, I haven't been on social media in like a week and a half, two weeks, I kind of forget. And, you know, small victories, but I do notice I have gotten more done. I have, you know, been been able to even force myself, even if it's in little spurts to concentrate, to, to write this. Like I, I worked on an outline today. I did, I um, wrote my dad a letter to like mail him a letter, you know, just cause I wanted to. And, wow. and, uh, and so, uh, yeah, it's, it is, and, and, and to, to that end, I, I think there are certain things that can be done and that should be done to, to hack back your own psychology in a sense 
from the myriad uh, distractions and stimulus and stimuli that come at us each and every day. Um, that being said, it's still it's still definitely uh, an issue. And I got speaking of these courses and stuff. There's this guy on YouTube that's pumping out all these courses, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to learn a system. I'm going to learn, and so I like went down a rabbit hole for three days because I was too cheap to pay for his course. And I'm like. <laughs> been there too. just kidding <laughs> just kidding um when he comes out with a new one i'm gonna buy it but uh but i learned his system through a bunch of uh, youtube videos and he yeah. speaks of a lot of these same principles actually and like he's committed to giving away 80 percent of his content for free and stuff like that and and um yeah because i think for whatever reason, there is like a low-hanging fruit psychology that uh, has persisted throughout my life in certain respects. Not in all respects, and um, but in certain respects, like, and I always say this, like I always repeat this when I'm talking about myself, and, and I, and I want to genuinely consider whether it's just a script that i tell myself or if it's mm -hmm. genuinely true but i've always said that awesome. things come very things have always come very easily to me like i was a pretty smart kid i think it's because my birthday fell just past the signing date for school so like i had to wait a full year so like maybe my but like in school was always easier things were um uh you wouldn't be able to tell by the way I'm like mumbling now, but school was easier. And, and, and I, yeah, like I had this personality that people could, I would make people laugh and, and, and stuff like that. So I should have failed high school, but I was so incredibly charming that my teachers passed me. Hmm. Um, not because I failed the schoolwork, but because I had a bunch of unexcused absences and stuff and stuff like that. So, and as a result, when I got to an age where I had to essentially hone my craft of whatever it is that I wanted to do. I expected those quick returns or the ability to analyze the system or the framework or the structure and find the little loopholes that would get me to where I needed to be uh, or get me to the proficiency level I needed to be with a shortcut of some kind. Mm. And, um, and so doing this incremental growth that you're talking about has never uh, come easily to me. And ironically, when if one were to just lean into that incremental growth, um, you know, time is going to pass either way. And so if you are or to just start and like work your way up, two years is going to go by, five years is going to go by, and the little decisions and, 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 and things that you do are going to make a big impact. I know that it's still tough. You know, it's still tough to, uh, to commit to that. I hear you. And that's, there's so much truth in there. And I really appreciate that from you because you could have just fed me a line, but I don't feel like there was any script in there. And for my own personal life, being the oldest of four kids, life was pretty easy for me growing up too. I got everything first. You know, I usually got the most of something because if I was going to do soccer, I would do soccer, but if one of my siblings wanted to do soccer, maybe there wasn't enough money for them to do soccer because I'm already doing it, right? So like I had that realization in around college or maybe right after college where it was like, you know, just because something doesn't come easy to me doesn't mean that it's 
not worth pursuing. I would, I would push a lot of things away because it didn't fit the way my life had gone so far. But it's almost gone 180 degrees in the opposite direction where it's like maybe now a lot of the things that I do want, there's a lot of work to be done in order to get them. But I really look forward to doing the work because I know the reward's going to be so much greater. So when you say focus, what do you mean? Do you mean what project to focus on today? Or is it focusing on the work or focusing on the business or focusing on something else? Like, what do you mean when you say focus that it's hard sometimes to know what to focus on? Um, I would say both, honestly. Uh, let's say, well, because like of this little system that I've developed and been, been doing the last week or so now, um, it kind of lays out it's what you need to do or like what you should do for that day. And I had this weird little breakthrough on, on once a week, you're supposed to like iron out what you, what you want to accomplish in that week. And I realized, and again, countless to-do lists and countless systems and organizational things. And I've heard that principle before, but I realized, oh, you pick the things you want to do and then only do those things. <laughs> oh, and it sounds so stupid, but like, I was like, okay, so I'm going to take those things and put it into this week because what happened is I'll go and I'll be like, oh, I wanted to work on finishing this this film that I, sh I shot this film in Cuba that I, I was going to do a pass on and I need to finish that edit. But then, oh, but I, I need to work on on uh, this uh, the script that I've been writing. Oh, I need to I need to be producing content for social media. So I got to I got to write a script for it. And so all these things start making their like kind of making their way onto this schedule um, versus being like, this is what I'm going to work on this week. And, you know, you got to be flexible, but, but kind of sticking with, with that. So when I say I struggle with focus, it is in that respect, like literally what to focus on. But then even within the project itself, it's like, I, I realized about myself that when I am overwhelmed, um, and maybe this is indicative of like I was, the way I was talking about growing up, um, where I would like find a shortcut of some kind, or I would like not cheat the system, but like I, 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 I feel like I had a bird's eye view of what I needed to do to get the desired outcome. It's just like, and I think school trains you for that. At least when I went to school, it was like, memorize all this information and then regurgitate it. And then you can just forget it. Like you, you, it, you don't need it because all you need is that outcome. You need the, you need the good grade on this test. So you just can just concentrate everything, get the outcome and then you go do. But like now, as I sit here and I think about all these subjects that fascinate me and like, I've finally fallen in love with the idea of learning and wanting to be able to focus on these different things and get a, uh, um, better at things, uh, it's, it's more difficult, uh, to, I kind of lost my train of thought, but yeah, focus. Oh yeah. So when it gets difficult, when I'm sitting down, I'm like, okay, well, I need to write this screenplay what do i need to write when do i need to you know and so it gets overwhelming and that's when you reach for your phone that's when you 
um, do any number of things that instead of leaning into that discomfort. So this is an awesome thing to focus on. And I think that's where we can spend the rest of our time chatting today. So one thing that I'm curious about, like what is the thing that you're trying to get by writing a screenplay or finishing up an edit or whatever it is that you're choosing to do throughout the week? What are you really after there? Is it just to write a screenplay? Is it just to finish a thing? Or is it something else? Certainty and significance. <laughs> you thought we were out done with that. It rears its ugly head again. Um, what am I trying to get done by, by, um, by work, by choosing, by, writing, by working on those things. Yeah. You're choosing what to focus on. Say at the beginning of the week, your system says at the beginning of the week, decide what you want to do and accomplish that week. Why are you wanting to accomplish those things? That's a great question because like I said before, like I'm, I'm employed with random acts. I, I do a lot of commercial work. Like I don't have to work on my individual creative endeavors if I didn't want to. And so I do it, I guess, to, you know, I want to build an audience. I want to build, I want to have an influence. And I think I'm kind of conditioned not to say that in a way, but like, that's the core of it. That's what it is. I want to have influence. And I do feel that while that can be uh, construed as, I guess, conceited, conceit or narcissism, um, I do feel like I'd like to give myself the benefit of the doubt and do and, and say that it is rooted in that desire to uplift and to and to be a positive to people's lives. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I want to have I an audience. I fully that believe influence. that. I fully believe that about you. I don't look at you and you. your creative career because I've known you since 2005 or six when you were in Divine Comedy, when we first when I was running sound for those shows. I mean, it's been <laughs> 15 years or something that we've known each other. So I know that you're not motivated by the vanity metrics of fame and fortune, that you're very much, whether you're in front of one person or 10 people or a thousand people, you show up in that moment because you know that you're giving them something that they couldn't get from anyone else because you're uniquely talented that way. So my question is, and the way I want to see if I can help you frame this new system that you have is thinking about it as maybe sometimes it feels as creatives that we're a little bit stranded in the wilderness without a map, without a compass. And we have no idea where we are. We just know that I got to go somewhere. I need to walk or else I'm just going to sit right here and die. And we, we hate that feeling as creatives. We don't like the feeling of not doing things. So a lot of times we'll just make sure that we're doing stuff because we feel that at some point we'll hit some destination that at least gets us out of the feeling of being stuck. So in that situation, the best thing you could possibly have is a destination, <laughs> a place that you're trying to get to. Because that single addition to the scenario gives us direction. 
we all of a sudden know that, okay, I can't just walk any direction. I need to go that way. And wow, it looks really hard. That's a big cliff face. I don't really know how to get up that. But then you're going to start thinking about alternative routes. Well, what if I go around? What if I try to go through? What if I try to go under? What if I backtrack a little bit to get a bit bigger perspective? All of a sudden, all the actions that we're taking have that one common thread, which is the destination that we're trying to get to. And so I ask you with your system, what is it that you're trying to get to with all of this activity of creating things and writing stuff? And you said, it's, I want to build an audience. I want to have an influence. I want to contribute to people's lives in meaningful ways. I'm putting that last bit in your mouth, but I think that's inherent. I agree with what, in what I'll you allow said. it. <laughs> and so what I would say is I wonder what you could put as kind of the North Star, as the destination on the map with your creative work so that everything you do throughout the week or every possible thing that you could list at the beginning of the week, you can then measure it against the question of, will this help me get to where I want to go? Will this help me reach more people? Will this help me build an audience? Will this help me have the kind of influence I want? And when you have that framing around it, that context, all of a sudden this thing that maybe last week you never would have thought of doing because it doesn't feel like work, it doesn't feel like progress, becomes the thing that actually might get you there even faster. Or the things that have been historically frustrating or hard to do or hard to focus on for longer periods of time with that new context of by doing this, I'm going to reach and affect more people becomes a joy. It becomes even easier because it's not arduous. It's not hard. It's not an obstacle. It's not something Ugh, I got to do this today. It's man, I get to go and contribute to the lives of all these people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, that makes sense. Go ahead and uh, throw out a couple examples based on what you know about me. <laughs> what could uh, I'm... possibly be the destination? I mean, yeah. Um... I think you said the destination. I think the outcome that you're after is you want to reach more people and have an influence. So there's two things that we got to look at. How do we do that and how do we measure it? right? Because you have to feel like you're accomplishing that thing. So are we going to measure it by number of followers? You could, but if it doesn't actually get you the thing that you're after, that's just a metric out there. Without context, there's plenty of people who are fulfilled with a thousand followers because they have a very engaged following and lots of people to talk to every day and they don't need or even have time for more than that. But there's other people that need big, big, big followings to have the kind of impact that they feel like they want to have in their in their life. And so it's less about that number and more about what's the outcome you want to have. And I think it's you want to have this feeling that what you're doing matters, that you're actually contributing and that you're affecting change in people. So to me, that all centers around these needs of love and connection and the need for contribution. If we go back to that framing of the six human needs, right? 
Mm -hmm. So the way to get that for yourself, the way to feel that you are having high levels of contribution to the people that you're seeking to serve through your work, that's maybe the next step is how are you going to measure that in a way? And then what actions can you take on a daily, weekly, monthly basis to ensure that you're getting that need for contribution met at a high level as often as possible? Yeah, that's definitely something to, to think about. And, and, and I can see the benefit of, uh, yeah, framing it through that, through that lens. I mean, that's essentially the mission statement that you know, I was, I'm looking for. What's because every time I one more question, if you were to go to a moment of your in your life, in your creative life, where you had a peak experience, like the most of whatever it is that you're after. You, I don't know if influence is the right word or, or what word you would choose, but like if you were to go to a moment, an experience that you've had in your life where it was like it, on a scale of zero to 10, it was like a 400. It was just the best feeling ever that you would like to have as often as possible. Where do you go in your mind? Like describe that moment to me. Honestly, like they've all my fulfilling <laughs> moments have been related to comedy, live comedy, live performance. Um, those are the moments where I think like I was just filled with electricity. Um, there's been countless improv shows where I've just been fortunate to be around uh, incredibly funny, talented friends and we've just made this magic on stage and then there's even been moments where i i dabbled into stand-up and for whatever reason those were like these electric moments where there's this massive room for the people and whether it's because it was in provo where i was like a pseudo celebrity at the time or what but i just controlled that room and and just made people laugh till they cried and and so it's those highs of, of live performance that have really fueled me over the years. Um, and yeah, so I don't like every, I feel like every performer is like you chase that rush in a sense. You chase that, uh, like, why do people perform? Like when you kind of take a step back from it, it's, it could seem kind of silly and there's plenty of times i make a lot of sketches with my girlfriend and and we're like we're just two grown people <laughs> dressing up in funny costumes and like making stuff and and you know but it's it's fun i guess you know it's it is there is a a a, a, a fulfillment uh, that, that comes from that. Yeah. So, I don't know if you were making a broader point or. No, I think you nailed it. And again, I appreciate the honesty because I'm putting you on the spot. I really am. You and really are. Man. I think where, where I think there's a big 
moment of clarity there is figuring out how to create a life that gets you more of the thing that brings you the most electricity or excitement or connection or influence, how, whatever word you wanted to use. I love that electricity because electricity, in order to work, it needs like two points, right? There's not really a lot of effect that something has when it's just putting out a lot of stuff. There has to be something on the other end to receive it and benefit from that exertion of power or that output, right? So things don't work until you plug them in. So there's a source and there's a, rec a recipient of that electricity. I'm running with this because I like that <laughs> analogy, but it works. It's perfect analogy for what you're talking about, which is you on stage being a source of this um, output, right? And there are people in the audience that are receiving it and the it gets turned on for you when they laugh, when they respond. That's connecting that's plugging in right and so i think my experience at least has been that the more that i can optimize my life around um getting as many of those kind of moments that are the peak experience for me the more fulfilled and happy i am regardless of dollars followers accolades calls, whatever it might be that I used to measure my life by, if I can get to the end of the day and feel like, man, today was awesome because I got to do the thing that I love the most, which is can, which is grow and can, growth and contribution. Like I said, I'm growing through this process. I'm contributing by helping people with their, their creative lives and their businesses. I'm getting better. Like there's all this growth and contribution around what I'm doing. And I'm going to go home tonight and feel incredibly fulfilled because I've kind of optimized my life. I've built a life around getting as many of these moments as I possibly can. Today, for example, this is the second podcast I recorded today. And I had lunch with my buddy who's a singer songwriter. And we talked about similar things. I love contributing in this way. And I feel like I'm helping people grow in the process. So I got three of those moments today because I built my life around being able to have as many of these moments as possible. So when you ask yourself that question, how do I, how do I get as many of these electric moments as possible throughout the course of a week? Maybe that destination, that result at the very top of your weekly planning can then start to inform the things that you choose to do throughout the week and put some of the other things into a different context to where it's a little bit more in alignment with who you really are. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense, man. And I, I appreciate, I appreciate, um, you, I appreciate you, and 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 it is, and I I I think we I told you this before. It's it's a it's a great niche because creatives are 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 genuine creatives are good people at the core, and so. But oftentimes they struggle with a lot of things that we're talking about. So to to make it kind of a mission, to lean into those experiences, I think that's awesome, and I think that's a uh, an easy way to 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 find fulfillment you know not easy but i'm saying like it is it's a great way 
and definitely takes effort and work and practice. I mean, I'm almost a year out from taking that seminar and it's still something I have to be conscious of every day and every week when I do my own weekly planning. Um, so, you know, we're at, we're at the hour mark. I, I want to be respectful of your time. I feel like it's been a, at least a good conversation for me, but I'm not motivated by getting myself happy and high on these conversations, but seeing the, the wheels turn in your head as we're staring at each other at the <laughs> video, I feel like there's been a couple things in here that hopefully have been helpful. Um, sure. We didn't even really get to the app that I built with my brother over the summer, which is the Benchmark oh, no. app. And we can save that for another conversation down the line. But I do want to say to those that are watching, listening after we've finished recording. Get the this, app. Get the app. Get the app. Go check it out because it. What does the app do? Give me the, a, a, a pitch me. The app is a digital version of kind of what we just went through. So it's a it's a little bit of a digital coach, a little bit of a digital consultant, but focused more around your business than your psychology. So let me pull it up for you because I don't think you've even seen it yet. And I'd love to show yeah. it to you because I'm going to give you a free copy because you came Ooh. on the Benchmark podcast. So nice. Benchmark starts out by basically getting a little bit of information. The same way that I was asking you questions about your life and business today, the app will walk you through a series of about 10 questions that really gets a little bit of clarity on the current state of your business. From there, there's three tabs that you can track different parts of your business. And the whole point is, rather than giving you an application like QuickBooks or one of these business intelligence apps that has thousands of data points and numerous numbers of reports and integrations and all that stuff, it focuses you in on the three or four things that actually matter. So if you, for example, will you'd come in here to marketing and say, okay, I'm producing five videos a week and those are getting 10,000 views and that leads to, you know, 150 new subscribers or followers a week. And you know, from those people, I'm sending them a link or there's a link in my profile or they're joining an email list where they can go and buy a comedy album or watch a movie that I've been in or purchase something that I've created, whatever it may be, the way that you get your sales. And it's a way to kind of track the actions that you're taking on a weekly basis and then actually go in and focus. We talked about focus today. Focus on the things that actually matter in getting you the results that you want. So you could decide, well, I'm going to focus on creating more content. So instead of five videos a week, I'm going to do six or eight or 10. Um, or you could say, well, I want to increase the number of views. I feel like I'm tapped out on how many actual pieces of content I can create, but maybe I could go and get more views from those content. Instead of 2,000 views a piece, how do we bump it to 2,500 or 3,000 or 4,000? Just asking that question starts leading you to different answers and different possibilities of things that you could do to affect that number over time. Same thing with follower count and sales and stuff like that. The sales at, uh, tab is a similar but different uh, set of data points. And it's essentially helping you understand how your business operates and where money comes from. Because every business has a journey that the client or the customer goes through before they buy from you. Nobody just goes online and clicks a link and buys from you. First, they have to know that you exist 
and then they have to engage with you in some way, whether it's joining an email or following you on social media or something like that, to where they can then decide that, yeah, I want to take this relationship a little bit further and I want to buy their album or attend their live show or watch the show that they're on, whatever it may be. And that's how new customers happen, right? So by simplifying the the data points, by simplifying the things that matter when it comes to the business side of your creative life, all of a sudden we have this last tab over here, which is scorecard. And what will happen is these cells, instead of being gray, once you start putting in data every week, will turn green or red. And it's the entire point of this is to say, for the next week or two weeks or month, as long as it takes, focus on this cell over here that's red. So if it's this one with leads, maybe you just need to focus on getting more people every week that you're talking to or dropping your expenses. You're spending too much compared to how much you're making, so you need to drop that based on what you told us in that first tab. So I'm getting long-winded and I don't want to do that, but the whole point, the reason we built this is because creatives like you and I love the creative stuff. We love creating and making and being in front of people and performing and all of those things. But if we don't spend any time at all on the business stuff, those things don't just take care of themselves. They don't. And so the people that you and I know that have not been able to last through this this six, eight, nine one months, whatever it's been since COVID hit, those that have had to get go on unemployment or find new jobs and they're no longer able to do the creative work that they love to do, it's because they didn't have a durable, resilient, strong enough business under the, as the foundation for their creative work. So my sure. goal is to help people like you and I. <laughs> it's self-serving in a way because I use this app myself for my businesses. But it's a way to take what I know about business and kind of inject that into the creative businesses of all my friends so that they can keep making cool stuff. Because I don't want there to be a world where Will Rubio comedy doesn't exist. I don't want there to be a world where my friend Ryan... I don't think anybody does. Exactly. So my contribution, because again, my things are growth and contribution, is if I can help creatives grow a little bit in the way that they manage their businesses. And this is a massive contribution to them because it means that the future is going to be full of awesome people making awesome stuff. And I feel like that's the way I can uniquely contribute to the world right now. Very cool. That's awesome, man. I will check it out. You yeah. say app, but it's it's that it's that uh, okay. you saw right through it. It's a spreadsheet at the moment. The uh, we are <laughs> in it will be an ages. app on the phone, or it'll or you just ultimately it yes, ultimately in the next hopefully six to nine months, depending on how many people click on the link at the end of this video and go and get it for themselves. <laughs> um, the faster we can get to a certain number of people using the app, the faster we can turn it into an actual web application as opposed to what it is now, which is a glorified spreadsheet that took, you know, hundreds of hours and hundreds of dollars to create on our end. But for you, it's, you know, a single purchase of $49. <laughs> but well, you will, you, you will, you can take it back. Exactly. You get it for free and it's free for life. So even when it becomes a application and a subscription model thing, 
you're oh, going to have perfect. forever access. And for you and those that go check it out, the app is at benchmark.app, which is B-N-C-H-M-R-K.app because we're cheap and we didn't want to spend the $1,200 to buy Benchmark full, all vowels. <laughs> um, you can go to benchmark.app and get some free training, which will help you kind of see how this app helps you with your business. And then you can get you the heard app. it here, folks. Go to benchmark. Benchmark. <laughs> benchmark. Thank you, Will, for that. <laughs> we're <laughs> we're going like to benchmark know, with no vowels. I love it. You know how at the end of uh, TV shows, they have little like not a doctor or like these little one line phrases of of the people like saying the uh, the name of the uh, production company. I'm just going to record you saying benchmark. And that'll be Benchmark. like <laughs> app. That'll be like at the end. <laughs> that'll be our comment. Robot. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Thank you so, so much for your time today. Where can people find out more about you? Where can they go and follow you online and sign up for your email list and all of those things? Uh, you can go to uh, willrubio.com. Um, it, I'm Will Rubio across all social media. So that's Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Twitter. It's at Will Rubio. I also have a podcast called the Would You Rather podcast that I do with my girlfriend, Miranda. We're a couple of comedians. Um, and you can go to wouldyouratherpodcast.com to sign up for our mailing list and or just to listen to all our episodes. So um, yeah, and we also broadcast live on Tuesdays. Uh, we do the podcast live on my YouTube channel, which is at Will Rubio, youtube.com slash at Will Rubio, Will Rubio at uh, all social media. So Awesome. Oh, Wait, and yeah. also check out Random Acts on BYU TV. Definitely. Um, com. Cool. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure actually being able to talk at length with you. Thanks for giving me so much of your time. And I look forward to having people here and watch this episode because I feel like there's so much truth that we talked about today. And I really just thank you for being willing to go there and share all of those intimate things with us. And Hopefully we've uh, helped you a little bit on your creative journey today. Absolutely, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, that's my favorite thing to do is to go there. So um, it worked out, but I appreciate it. And I think you're doing good work. Thanks. Thank you again for listening to or watching today's episode. Once again, we remind you to go check out the free training we have for you at benchmark.app. That's B-N-C-H-M-R-K.app and learn more about this tool we've built to help people like you get control over the results of your business. Check it out today and get the free training at bnchmrk.app.